why would you rely on anything else when Jesus is better? He's proven he can be relied on, proven that he can be trusted. So hold on. That's the author's message. Do you ever feel like you're losing your grip on Jesus? Like he's hard to hold on to sometimes? And depending on the day, depending on the circumstances, whatever's going on in your life at the time, your grip, you know that your grip just isn't quite as tight as it should be. Does that happen to you? Here's the good news. He never loses his grip on you. Not ever. Jesus causes your salvation, carries your salvation, and completes your salvation. From A to Z, all the way through. The truth is, if you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb and born again by the Spirit, Jesus has you. And because he does, you have him. You have him as your high priest, representing you before God so that you have unrestricted access to him. You have the same access to the Father that Jesus Christ does. He has earned that for you. You are welcome to the throne of grace in the presence of God Almighty because Jesus is there and he's made a way for you. It's interesting, the only way we can seem to firm up our grip on Jesus when we can tell it's slacking is to be assured of his firm grip on us. It seems like it'd be the other way around, doesn't it? Like we, we firm up our grip and then become more assured of his, but no. Our grip gets tighter the more we're resting in the fact that his grip never fails. Assured of his love and his grace towards us as his people. Now let's read Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Now hear the words of the one true and living God. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord God, we thank you for the truth of your word. And as we look at it this morning, I pray, God, that you would be pleased to use me, an imperfect man, guilty of, of everything there is to be guilty of, that you would be pleased to use me to speak this truth to your people this morning, that it would be received in faith for their good, for the good of your church, and Father, for your glory. I ask that you would do this now, in Christ's holy name, amen. Jesus is a heavenly high priest. It's one of the things we see. He's also a human high priest. And because he is, he can be a helpful high priest. That's the main idea of the sermon this morning and your three points. He is a heavenly high priest, a human high priest. That's why he can be a helpful high priest. We're going to talk more 
about Jesus being our high priest next week, too, uh, about how Christ not only fulfills all of the requirements of a high priest, but surpasses them. But this morning, we're looking just at these things, that he is a heavenly, a human, a helpful high priest, because that's what's in these verses, and there's just a lot there. So we're going to look at that. He is our heavenly high priest, first of all. What's it mean? You know, there, there were such things as earthly high priests had those. And what earthly high priests did is go into a little, a little room called the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, and that's where God said his presence was. And it was only the high priest that could come that near to God. Only the high priest that could come that close to God. And the reason he did was to make intercession for God's people. Once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest made a sacrifice for the people of God. But here's the thing, okay? Jesus, our heavenly high priest, doesn't come into God's presence just once a year on behalf of his people. He doesn't have to go into a little room in a man-made building either. He has passed through the heavens, verse 14. He has ascended. He is in the holiest of holies, in the very presence of God, at the right hand of God, forever in his presence, where God is. Jesus was here on earth among us. He's not anymore. He ascended, and he, now he is in the very presence of God, having made uh, the once and for all atonement for the sins of his people and continually intercedes for them, not as a mere man, not as a mere man, but as the eternal son of God. So listen, it's not just about where our heavenly high priest is or what he does, but for how long? Forever. If you are a follower of Jesus, he will never let you go. He will never let you down. He will never stop loving you, never stop representing you before God. When God sees you, he sees Jesus and his righteousness. That never stops. We have a heavenly high priest who is able to intercede for us forever. There have been high priests among us before, but there's one who has been among us and isn't anymore. He's with God where we want to be. Okay, so here's what I... Help us tie this together as we launch out into this. If we're going to get help from anywhere while we're still here, we're going to have to get it from him. He is our heavenly high priest. He is our source of help. And he is for us, not against us. That's why the author says, let us hold fast our confession. Verse 14. He has paid our sin debt. It's perfect. It's complete. The one who did that for you, he is divine, he is God himself. That's our confidence. It's that strong of a hope. That's great, but can you relate to me? Can you really relate to me? He's a heavenly high priest, but heaven's too high for me. He not only passed through the heavens and entered into heaven where God is, he came down to earth where we are. We don't have a high priest that is unable to sympathize 
with our weaknesses, verse 15. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. He is a human high priest. And what's that mean? Why does that matter? Well, it means we don't have a high priest that scolds us for our weaknesses. He doesn't scold us for our weaknesses, but sympathizes with our weaknesses. And I like the way the King's, King James says this. It says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. You know what it's like to have a God with human feelings? You might not be able to, you might not feel like you're able to really relate to God, but guess what? He can relate to you. We don't have a high priest who is untouched by the feelings of our infirmities. He knows your hopes and your fears and your failures. He knows how you feel. He doesn't just know what you think and see what you do. He knows how you feel. You know, there's so many errors and, and heresies that come out of man's understanding of what theologians call the hypostatic union, that Jesus is both God and man, that he's one person with two distinct natures, both fully human and fully divine. Sometimes people make Jesus too touchy-feely. There's that. There's that end of the spectrum. They make him too, like teddy bear Jesus, you know, where there's just no regard or reverence for his holiness and his divinity. But others minimize his humanhood to the point where we, we can't even begin to imagine that he can relate to us at all. And that's wrong too. You know, to think that he's so God and so transcendent and so unlike us that he can't really have anything in common with us at all. But he can. He did. And he does still. I think I said a few weeks ago, it's not like he came and put on a man suit for a little while and then took it off. No. He, he took to himself a true human nature. And he still has it, still today, both fully God and fully man. You know, that's not, you know, this kind of thing is not just some book knowledge, theology, nerd, seminary stuff. Every Christian needs to know that, y'all, because you need to know the one advocating for you before God knows your hurts, your fears, your struggles, and your sorrows. Deeply, he knows them. You ever feel let down? Disappointed? It's a common one. Should hit all of us, right? Feeling let down, disappointed? My boys were really disappointed. Our internet went out this week. God has sent us a trial. By his grace, we have endured. Looking forward to AT&T being out tomorrow, about 12 o'clock. They've got till 4. But yeah, you feel let down. Have you ever feel lonely? You're not alone in that? Jesus understands. Even if no one else does, even if no one else understands, you ever feel like that? Like no one else could possibly understand how you feel and what you're going through right now. Or if anyone can, you don't know them, and so you don't have anybody you can actually talk to about it. 
Jesus can relate to you in that. And you can talk to him about it. He's not standing far off. He's not aloof and indifferent toward you. The kind of priest we do have, according to what it says here, is one who has passed through the heavens. But the kind of priest we don't have, verse 15, is one that doesn't know what it's like to be one of us. Who, one that doesn't know how we feel. We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So he not only sympathizes with us in our sufferings, he relates to us in our temptation. What can be more human than that? Are you, this is obviously a rhetorical question. Don't raise your hand. Are you wrestling with temptations right now that you'd rather keep private? Because you don't want anyone to judge you for them, right? Listen to me, Christians. This is just for Christians. Jesus already took the judgment for you. He gets it. He understands. Even though he had no sin of his own, he was here and lived the real thing. So he not only knows what temptation is like, he knows it better than we do. He was tempted as we are in every respect, yet without sin. We talked about this several weeks ago, how we struggle with temptation, and we all just eventually cave into it, right? And it's like a little pressure release valve. Remember that? You know, you give into that temptation a little bit, some of the pressure gets let off for a little while. But Jesus never gave in. The pressure was never released. He knows the depths and pressure of temptation better than any one of us possibly can. And he defeated that power that sin has for you, has over you, when he died in your place. His record of overcoming temptation and being without sin is something that carries over from his account to yours. That's what it means that his righteousness is yours. That's what it means that you have Christ as your representative. He not only took your sin, he gives you his righteousness. You get his record. He takes yours and you get his. Amazing grace. It wouldn't be enough, though, for a mere fallen creature like us to represent us before God. That wouldn't work. Not completely. Temporarily, maybe, as it did with Moses. He was a mediator between God and his people for a little while. But something better than Moses is here. We have a better mediator in Christ Jesus. The Levitical priesthood intervened on behalf of God's people. We have a better high priest in Christ Jesus, someone better, a better intercessor than a mere fallen creature like any one of us. But it wouldn't be enough to have a representative that couldn't really relate to us either, so God became a man and lived without sin in order that we might have a perfect mediator, a perfect intercessor, one that checks all the boxes, 
without sin of his own, but also completely human. So listen, don't miss this part, okay? Tune back in. So that he can not only accurately represent us in our humanity, but that he can actually relate to us in our humanity. That's the kind of high priest we have. That's why he's a helpful high priest. We need that. We depend on that. we got to have it. We need an intercessor, someone who sympathizes with us, who will intervene on our behalf. Maybe some other people could tell you, but I can tell you Bill Pope and Joseph Spate specifically, they would tell you that the number one rule in a court of law is you don't represent yourself. Right? We can. We have that right as Americans to represent ourselves in court. But anyone will tell you, anyone who does that only has a fool for a lawyer. We recognize we need someone else to represent us and speak for us and plead our case for us before a judge in a court of law. How about before God in the court of eternity? Who will represent you? Who will speak on your behalf? You? We dare not represent ourselves. We rely on someone else to speak for us and to act for us and to represent us before God. And I think sometimes maybe we forget that. We really value, as Americans especially, being independent and self-reliant. And that's, that's not all bad, right? Part of growing up is becoming increasingly less dependent on your parents. You don't need them to do your laundry and tell you when it's time to eat and be sure you brush your teeth before you go to bed. You know, change your clothes at least once a week. <laughs> you don't need someone else making your choices for you anymore. You grow up. You take care of yourself. You don't rely and depend on someone else to do it for you. In fact, you rise to a level where other people can now depend on you. That's called responsibility and being an adult. Nothing wrong with that. But when that good sort of independence eclipses our awareness of our utter reliance on Jesus to intercede for us and to intervene on our behalf, that's where we run into problems. And I want to make this practical in a way that we can all relate to, okay? Because... Uh, this can't just be something that we stick on someone else and say, well, yeah, I know people struggle with that, but not me. Yes, you do. <laughs> here's what happens when you don't rely on Jesus. At a minimum, okay, here's what happens when you don't rely on Jesus as your high priest and let too much of that independent spirit drive your relationship with God. You're afraid to go to him. You don't approach the throne of grace confidently in your time of need. You don't think you can. Because you know you, and you know you're not worthy. Jesus is. That's the point. And he's interceding for you. We need an intercessor, someone who intervenes on our behalf, and we have it. Jesus does that. He is a helpful high priest. 
because he is, we can approach God boldly. We can approach the throne of grace with confidence, with boldness, that we may receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. You think God doesn't know? I mentioned something about that last week, I'm sure. You think God doesn't know? You think like if you come to him, you're going to have to confess something he doesn't already know? He already knows. And he still says, come boldly. You need mercy. Here's how you get it. Come. We, y'all, can approach God with confidence and boldness. Because Jesus paved the way. Just as nothing could keep Jesus from entering the Holy, uh, holy of Holies, nothing can prevent you from entering the Holy of Holies. Can you imagine that? The better question is, do you believe it? If we struggle to believe it, it's because we're trying to skip steps. We're trying to go to God and make our appeals and our requests to him on our own and represent ourselves before him, and it just doesn't feel right. And so we don't. We don't go, and we miss out. We miss out on the mercy that is there for us. We miss out on that assurance. We miss out on the grace that is there to find that helps in time of need. We miss out on the help that is ours when we need it most. Do you ever feel like you're asking Jesus too much? I like your pastor in them. See some honest nods. Like your pastor, I'm like, he's too busy to deal with all that. He's agitated with you anyway because you just keep messing it up all the time. He's agitated with your shortcomings. And he can't really be bothered to hear your prayers. You ever feel that way? Cast all your anxieties on him. Not some. Not most. Cast all your anxieties on him. He is not only able to shoulder that for you, he is willing because he relates to you and he cares for you. He's our heavenly high priest and a human high priest. That's why he can be a helpful high priest. He has an immediate relationship to the Father. You get that? Not mediated, immediate, without mediation. And so he can make your case for you in a way that you just can't. In a way no one else and nothing else can. You need him to represent you. And as your representative, he can actually relate to you and sympathize with you. He's not frowning on you. He's not agitated with your requests. He's not frowning on you, rolling his eyes, shaking his head, wagging his finger. He pleads your case. And he advocates for you as someone who truly understands what it's like to be you. 
So, therefore, since all of that is true and that being the case, hold on to your confession, the author says. To those things you believe and know are true, don't let go of that. You have eternal security because the eternal Son of God will not let go of you. He never gives up on you and he isn't going anywhere. When you feel like you're losing your grip on Jesus, just remember he never loses his grip on you. When it's hard to imagine, when it's hard to imagine you could be loved that much, because that's hard. I have a hard time with that. I find a lot of difficulty in my walk with Christ and understanding that there's always remaining unbelief, not unbelief as unto salvation, but just a trust, right? Growing in that trust and that knowledge of Christ and who he is and what he has done for me and what that means. One of the biggest difficulties, I think, is imagining how I could be loved so much. Why on earth would he do that for me? If you find yourself there and you wonder how, how in the world could I be loved that much, just imagine how unimaginable it is that he was hated. That's even harder to grasp. That he was hated, punished by the Father. And he did that for you. Lived as you live, died for you, and now he's where we want to be, waiting to welcome you and interceding for you ceaselessly in the meantime. That's your high priest, your heavenly high priest who is human and help, helpful to us. Let us hold fast to our confession and with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord God, we come to you again thanking you, praising you for your word, for your work, for your life and ministry. Lord, that you have not taken a rest from interceding for your people, but you do it forever and ceaselessly. God, we thank you that you give us conviction of sin so that we can see it for what it is, that we can repent of it, that we can be renewed and forgiven. So Lord, we pray that you convict us of, us, of, of our sin, but that you would convince us of your grace. We need both. We desperately need both. We need both in order to be able to rely on Jesus, not only as our substitute, but as our friend and our advocate, so that we may continue to come to you looking for that mercy, for that grace that you say is ours by faith in him. Lord, bless us this day, bless this time that we're about to spend together, enjoying good food that you have blessed us with. Thank you for your faithfulness to this church, Lord. God, I pray that this would be a sweet time of fellowship for us, that we would reflect on the past years and that there would be a number of testimonies that are pleasing to you as we talk about your grace and your work and your hand among us at King's Church. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.